Well, good morning to you. I'm Camper Mundy, associate pastor here, and it is a joy to welcome you this Resurrection Day. I also would like to extend a special welcome to those of you who may be visiting with us. Uh, whether you are out-of-town guests, local visitors, we're glad that you've joined us this morning. If the crucifixion is a period, a full stop, a definitive point in history, it is finished, in the words of Jesus. If the crucifixion is a period, then the resurrection is an exclamation point. It is true, it is certain, it is real. And for that, we celebrate today. We praise and worship the God who died that we might live, who rose from the the grave declaring that sin and death are conquered, and who gives new life to those who trust in Him. Today we celebrate the God of resurrection. But I've been thinking recently, what does the resurrection mean for me? And what does the resurrection mean for you today? Does it merely inspire you once a year at Easter? Or does it sear hope into your heart daily? Now personally, I wrestle with this question every Easter, if not more often. What does the resurrection mean for those who trust in Jesus? Although at first it may appear to be an unusual Easter text, this morning we're going to see resurrection reality through the life of a paralytic, one who points us to resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus and also our own resurrection. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's found on page 861. Well, up to this point in the Gospel, Luke has been emphasizing Jesus is Savior of the world and also Jesus' demonstration and proclamation of the inbreaking kingdom of God. And we see that Jesus has begun a widespread healing ministry as He preaches the good news of the kingdom. And then as we get to chapter 5, Luke tells us that Jesus' fame is spreading throughout the surrounding area. So much so that every place that he goes, every city, every village, every town, large crowds are gathering to hear him and to see him heal. And that brings us to our text, Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. But let's take a moment to pray before we hear God's word. Our gracious God, we thank you that you have brought us here today. And we thank you that we have the resurrection to celebrate. We pray that you would open your word to us and us to your word this morning. For we need your saving grace and we need your sustaining grace. Would you have mercy on us? Would you change us? in light of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in His name. Amen. Well, now hear the Word of God from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. On one of those days, as Jesus was teaching, 
Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can heal but God alone? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. This is the Word of God. Well, we see basically two groups of people here. We have the, uh, the crowd, the local crowd, just as I had mentioned. Every village, every town, large crowds are gathering. And so the local crowd has come once again, ready to see another amazing miracle. But this time we also have the religious elite who have come from all over. They are ready to critique this miracle man and his teaching. And then we have this curious scene. Some guys have just made a skylight in someone else's house. And then they have lowered their paralyzed friend through the roof on a pallet into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, imagine, if you will, for just a moment, we've gathered together on a Sunday morning for a worship service to hear from God's word to worship him. And all of a sudden we... Here's something on the roof. And the next thing we know, there's some banging and all of a sudden some pieces of the ceiling begin to fall and we, we don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, there's a bright light. There's a hole in the roof and the light is shining through, but then the light goes away for a moment because something's blocking it and all of a sudden something is being lowered down. And it's a man and it appears that he can't move. He's, he's lying on a pallet on a mat. And there's some guys that are up there, they've lowered him down. Now, I don't know about you, but that would make me a little uncomfortable. I mean, to be honest, that's not in the order of worship today. (laughs) Things like that make Presbyterians a, a little nervous. But what is Jesus going to do? Well, without hesitation, Jesus looks at the man and says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. What? Your sins? Sins? I mean, the guys up there are probably saying, did he just say his sins are forgiven? We brought our friend here to be healed. We just went to all of this effort. And the crowd, I mean, the crowd is there. They've come to see people get healed. Some of them hope themselves that they will be healed. They haven't come to hear some unprovable pronouncement. 
And then there's the religious elite. Oh, and they have just found out how far off this Jesus character really is. I mean, they've been listening to his unorthodox teaching on the kingdom of God, and now he has just lost all credibility to speak on that subject. And their judgmental hearts harden, and they think to themselves, this is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? True. Only God can forgive sins. And that's the point. And then Jesus catches everyone off guard by asking, which is easier? To say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Well, Jesus, I mean, come on. It's, it's a lot easier to say your sins are forgiven because nobody can prove or disprove that. But, but Jesus doesn't even give time for a response. No place to answer. Rather, immediately he declares, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. It's clear. Jesus not only has the power to heal, but he also has the authority to forgive. And this healing serves as proof. It serves as proof that Jesus has the divine authority to forgive sins. As one commentator put it, the man's walk means that God has talked. But there's more. This healing not only serves as proof of Jesus' divinity and authority, but it also points forward. It points ahead. Jesus' forgiveness is the beginning of wholeness. Jesus' forgiveness opens the door to abundant, complete, eternal healing. The physical healing of this paralyzed man is a sign. It is a sign of the inbreaking kingdom of God. Now, Jesus has just declared at the end of chapter 4, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, for I was sent for this purpose. And this preaching is expressed in both word and deed through his teaching and his healing. And every miraculous healing is a sign of the inbreaking kingdom of God. Now, we all know about signs. We, we see them every day. And signs always point to something beyond themselves. For example, this morning, you passed a sign at the bottom of the hill. Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You didn't stop at the sign. The sign points up the hill to this gathering place. You followed the sign here. Every miraculous healing is a sign. A sign of the inbreaking kingdom of God. Now, on the one hand, every miraculous healing was temporary. Temporary healing. Because each person healed eventually died. But on the other hand, every miraculous healing points beyond itself. It points to eternal healing. When Jesus returns to make all things right. 
The healing of this paralytic, like every other healing of Jesus' earthly ministry, is a glimpse at the fullness of the inbreaking kingdom of God. It is a glimpse at the universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight that is coming with the return of our King. And in the healing of the paralytic, the healing of his body, we see that our physicality matters. The fullness of God's kingdom for us will not be some ethereal disembodied existence in the clouds. It will be a restoration of all things, including our bodies. A restoration of our bodies, which at present, whether you feel it or not, are wasting away. Now, I like country music a lot. Do I have any other country fans out there? Okay, good. All right, good. Somebody laughed in the first service, and I didn't know if that was agreement or laughing that I liked country music. (laughs) And there's a lot of theology in country music, if you listen. Now, I I do want to give credit. Sometimes there can be good theology. But often, country music theology, is it it just gets it wrong. You know, there'll be songs about being freed from from this not-so-good body, getting my wings, and flying around. And I brought an example for you. Now, because I don't have my guitar with me, I won't sing it. No, thanks. <laughs> Everybody wants to go to heaven. Have a mansion high above the clouds. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Get their wings and fly around. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. So, country music theology. You see, it's, it's pointing somewhere... It's really not right. It's really not biblical. But Dr. Kathleen Nielsen of Covenant College gets it right when she says this. I will persevere through what Paul called the slight momentary affliction of my body's wasting away. Because I have faith that this body will be recreated perfectly for eternity. Again, in the healing of the paralytic, we see that our physicality matters. Every part of you matters to God. And every part of you will be renewed, including your body. No more disease, no more suffering, no more sickness or pain or injury or death. Jesus' resurrection from the dead not only proves His divinity and His defeat over death, it also shows us the life that we are promised in Christ, our own promised resurrection. At the end of time, when Christ judges the world, those joined to Him through faith will be made whole through resurrection. Perfect unity, perfect harmony, perfect restoration, body and soul together. And through faith in Jesus, our future is not an an ethereal, disembodied existence. When Jesus returns to make all things right, He will raise us up to a resurrection life like His. At the end of Luke's Gospel, 
He shows us a picture of Jesus. Jesus has been risen from the grave. There's an empty tomb. He appears to his disciples and we see the resurrected Jesus. The risen Christ has flesh and bones. He eats with his disciples. His once broken body has been fully restored and renewed. In Philippians 3, Paul declares, We eagerly await the return of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Resurrection, transformation. You see, we long not merely for the repair of our broken and breaking bodies, but for their full and complete restoration. And the healing of the paralytic reminds us of that. The healing of the paralytic is a sign, a glimpse at the fullness to come when Jesus comes back. A healing, a holistic healing that begins... In forgiveness. You see, Jesus' forgiveness is the beginning of wholeness. Jesus' forgiveness opens the door to abundant, complete, eternal healing. Now, let me tell you about a, a friend of mine who helped convince me of this truth. I met Chip the summer of 1992. It was a summer course at Wake Forest where I was in school. Chip went to a a different college, but he was in town because his parents lived there and was taking a summer class. Now, I remember being very excited about this class. I was going to be in there with a couple of friends, and it was a small class, 10 to 12 folks. And I knew that the professor had a a major class project for us and that we'd be paired up uh, to do this class project. And I'd already planned it out. You see, I was taking one class. It was summer. I'm living on campus with my friends. So a little bit of study and a lot of fun. And I I was in this class with Lisa. And we'd studied before together. We did well on projects together. So just pair me up with Lisa. We're going to knock this thing out. And I'll have a lot of fun the rest of my time. Well, I'll never forget the moment that Chip came into that room. I thought to myself, oh no, please do not pair me up with this guy. Please. You see, Chip came in and he just just made me feel uncomfortable. It wasn't fitting with the way I had my summer envisioned. You see, Chip is severely disabled. When he was 18 years old, he was hit by a drunk driver uh, just prior to his high school graduation. And for all intents and purposes, Chip is a paralytic. He sits in a wheelchair because he cannot walk. He can move his hand just enough to steer the wheelchair. In fact, the neurological damage is so severe that uh, he, he cannot speak well, has trouble articulating any words. It's very difficult to understand anything that Chip says. But at that moment, I... I didn't care. He was an inconvenience to me. My heart was hard. But God in His mercy and grace was patient with me. 
And he began to do a work in me and broke through the hardness of my heart because he had something amazing in store for me and for Chip. Now, as you've probably figured out, Chip and I got paired together. And I'll admit, it was very challenging getting our schoolwork done. But I also really enjoyed getting to know Chip. In fact, we became friends. As I got to know him more and more, I began to hurt deeply for him. And I remember, time after time, I would think to myself, if only I could fix Chip. If, if only he were healthy like me. And then one day, God burdened my heart to, to share the gospel with him. God burdened my heart of a, of a deeper need that Chip had. The need of forgiveness in Jesus. And I was thinking, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. But I began to pray and ask the Lord to, to open a door if that's what he wanted. So one afternoon, Chip and I went out to lunch. We uh, went to a, a local fast food restaurant, and as we were eating, an opportunity presented itself. And so I began to talk a little bit about my story. This is my, my need of Jesus, and this is Jesus' provision for me. And then I began to talk about Chip and his need of Jesus and Jesus' provision for him. Well, there was great resistance and resistance quickly turned to anger. And eventually the anger flowed into tears down both of our faces. And I remember thinking, maybe it was a prayer, but God, is this really good news? I'm trying to talk to this friend about your love and your mercy, and he feels abandoned by you. Is this really good news? Well, I was at a loss for words. I felt helpless and the conversation ended. Well, Chip remained resistant to the gospel throughout that summer. Uh, but we also remained friends. We, we continued to study together and, and work together and even hung out together in the afternoons. We finished our summer course and then Chip returned to his school. Well, a few years later, Chip and I ran into each other again. It was at a basketball game. Heather and I were back in town for a game, and I spotted Chip across the court. And so at halftime, I, I went down to where he was sitting, and he was sitting with his parents in a special section for those with physical disabilities. And I remember our eyes uh, connected, our eyes met, and we smiled, and I leaned over and gave him a hug and greeted both of his parents, and then I stepped back to, to talk to him. Well, Chip, in, in, in all of his limited motion, was, was just beaming and trying to express something. And, and he, was, he was speaking, but again, I couldn't understand what he was saying. And of course, I was embarrassed, so I turned to his mom for some help. And she smiled and says, Chip is trying to tell you that he's given his life to Jesus. That he's recognized his need of forgiveness and he's asked Christ into his life. And then she went on to tell me about how Chip had joined a local church. He hosted a small group Bible study at his home, and he loved sharing about Jesus whenever the Lord gave him opportunity. And I remember looking into his face and seeing a, a peace and a joy that I'd not seen before. And it was a peace and a joy that only Jesus could bring. Now, Chip was not physically healed. 
like the paralytic in this story. But Chip's relationship with God had been healed. His sins had been forgiven. And this inner healing brings with it a promise. A promise that Chip is convinced of and that Chip convinced me of. A certain and true hope. Our own promised resurrection. Chip is holding on to that and looking forward to that day. Because one day he will hear the words, Rise, pick up your mat, and welcome home. And I can just imagine him jumping out of that wheelchair and running into the arms of his Savior. Jesus' forgiveness is the beginning of wholeness. Jesus' forgiveness opens the door to abundant, complete, eternal healing. And you see, each of us, one day will be paralyzed. We will be paralyzed by death. For those who have rejected Jesus' forgiveness, they will be eternally paralyzed, eternally separated from God. For those who have received Jesus' forgiveness, they will be healed, eternally healed. Resurrection healing. Because the resurrection that we celebrate today shows us that Jesus has the power to forgive us and to heal us. And as I look to the resurrected Jesus, I can hear His words. This resurrection life, This is my promise to you too, camper. And through faith in Jesus, this is His promise to you as well. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious God, God of resurrection, we thank you for the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask that you would work that sure and certain hope into our hearts, empowered by your spirit of resurrection today, and looking forward to resurrection wholeness to come. We ask that you would sear the hope of the resurrection into our hearts. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.